The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. I, I, I forgot there was a reader, and so... If, if it had been, I would have put the whole passage up there. So thank you for doing that. I should have thrown the whole thing up. And we're going we're gonna to go through that in a minute, but I, I can't come without props. So I, I, I don't know how many of you in here are golfers. I look around, and I've, I've actually golfed with some of you. Um, so you know that I'm not a great golfer, but I, I love golfing. Mark Twain would say that golfing is just a good walk spoiled by a little white ball. But he also said life is full of stretchers. And good golfers, like good fishermen, also know how to stretch the truth. So, you know, the Mark Twain works this morning. But that's not what I wanted to to share with you as much as golfers have, like any other people in sports, have have many things that they have to learn in order to, in order to, in order to golf well or to golf at all. And one of the very important things about golf is the grip that we have on the club. And 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 so, if you watch a golfer, if if you're not familiar with this, um, and 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 sometimes to the chagrin of a golfer's spouse, if the if there's a golfer in the family and a non-golfer, the spouse will see the, the golfer spending all kinds of money. Gloves. Seems like three, four, five times a season they need to go and spend like 20, 30, 40 dollars on these golf gloves. What do you need a golf glove for? And then they're going to need the grips repaired on the golf club. And, 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 and what happens is, is golfers learn very quickly that the golf the golf club, this is a putter, by the way. For, for those of you who don't, don't know, know it, the, I, I used to bring my driver, and the driver is this great big club with a big head on it, and you swing it, and you swing it really hard. The putter is a softer thing, you know. People stand on the green, and, and, and they, the ball is there, and they have to put it in a little hole over there, and they, 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 they swing the cup, club very slowly. And I discovered very quickly on that people have all kinds of grips on the golf club they have they have what they call the 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 the, the claw grip and they'll, they'll they'll do this or or some will do the backward grip or or they'll 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 grip it like i do with thumbs straight down all, all kinds of different grips on the club and you learn that if you grip it too, too tight it doesn't work but man, if you don't hold the club tightly enough and you're swinging at it, your partner might get a concussion because you let go of the club. The grip is really important. And what I want to do this morning is talk about actually a biblical, one, one very interesting word in scriptures that talks about, um, and, and it's a Hebrew word, dabak, Dabak or Dabak. And Dabak is the literal word for hold fast. Johnny, if you could throw the, the PowerPoint up, 
Um, that would be great. This text that you just heard, to love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, obey his commands, hold fast. That's that grip part of the text. And to serve him with all your heart. John, if you could go to the map. I just want to give you a bit of background to this chapter, Joshua 22. Because Joshua 22 is actually not a well-known passage. Joshua 24 is much more well-known. That's the passage where, if you, if you remember, those of you that know the story of Israel, that's where they're just about to, uh, you know, Joshua's, they've conquered the land of Canaan, people are, 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 are settling in, and he says, choose you this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's Joshua 24. Today we're going to focus on Joshua 22, which is, which is also a passage which has deep, deep meaning. Now, if you, if you look at that map that's up there, <clears throat> and it doesn't need to be real clear except to demonstrate this. If, if you look at that map, you will see there the geography of the land, um, of the promised land. And as my pastor said a couple of weeks ago, geography is really important to the Old Testament stories. There are some stories that you don't completely understand if you don't understand the geography. What happened in the journey of Israel, if you remember this, in, enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, they're released. Moses takes them, <clears throat> and he takes them on quite a journey. They cross the Red Sea in that miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. They go to Mount Sinai, which is south of this or below this in the map. It's not on here, but it's way below this. And, and, and they get the, the Ten Commandments, and then they journey. And then there, there's, there's this, this, this moment where there's a, a sin um, of, of the Israelites, and they have to wander in the desert for 40 years. An entire generation disappears. And finally, they make their way to the promised land. Oh, the sun is coming out. Do you feel it? For those of you online, it just came through into the church. It's beautiful, and it feels great. And it's a welcome after that pouring rain last night. So, welcome, sun. So, anyhow, enough of the distraction. That was like a squirrel. All of a sudden. So, so here, here, here we go. So, so they make their way up the, what you will see as the right-hand side of the Dead Sea. So if you look in the middle of that map, you'll see this long, on, toward the bottom, a long blue strip. That long blue strip is the Dead Sea. And then as you move up from that, you get the Jordan River, and then on top of the Jordan River, you have the Sea of Galilee. That sort of splits the Promised Land. The people of Israel, when they first came, they came up from the wilderness and they came up on the right-hand side or the east side of the Dead Sea. That's how they came up. That's where they had this battle against the five kings. This is where uh, they defeated all of those kings, the Edomites, the, the Amalekites. Like, that's where they went up there. And then you see Reuben, Gad, and then you see half of Manasseh. And as they're making their way up on that side, 
Reuben, that tribe, stays in that area. Gad, that tribe, they settle in to that area. And then some of the tribe of Manasseh stay on the right-hand side of the Jordan River. They conquer that area. And then, of course, they cross over the Jordan River again in that miraculous crossing. And I don't know if you remember that story, but when they crossed over the Jordan River, the water was raging. And the priests, everybody said, well, how are we going to get across this thing? And the, the priests were carrying the ark, and then they stepped down. And then the moment their foot touched the water, the water parted, they walked across, and then they put the stones in the middle. As, yeah, you get it. You remember that. I love when people remember those Old Testament stories. Anyhow, they cross over, and they cross over, and then we get, we get them overtaking the land. And the land that they overtake, they first of all take over the area in central, Jericho, Ai. Jericho, that wonderful battle where they wander around, or not even battle, that those seven days of wandering around the city walls, and then they, the walls collapse and they capture Jericho. And then they, they go somewhat north because in the land of the promised land, there, there's, it's mountainous. We don't see that on these maps, but it's mountainous. It's hard to traverse that, that land, and there are actually areas in valleys where it's easier to travel. And so they follow those natural routes, and those natural routes first take them north, and they capture that area north, and then they come back and they capture the areas on the east side, and they head south, and ultimately they capture the promised land. Now, when they're done, Joshua gets to a point where he realizes they've done their work. And then Joshua 22 is the setting, is the setting for Joshua saying to the men of, or the soldiers from Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, it's time for you to go back. Now it's time for you to go back across the Jordan River. And when you go back across the Jordan River, you're going to settle into those lands. Now one other piece of information. Sodom and Gomorrah were actually located right where Gad and Manasseh come together there. Sodom and Gomorrah are the place where the Moabites would live. The temptation to worship other gods, the temptation to fall away from, from Jehovah and worship other gods was going to be great for them. They were going to be tempted to wander away. He knew that, and yet that was the land that they were called to occupy. So he says to them, in Joshua 22, we get this. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. And he said to them, You've done all that Moses commanded you, the servant of the Lord commanded. And you've obeyed me in everything. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers. 
but you have carried out the mission the Lord your God has sent you to do. So he said, you did everything that was asked of you. Now that the Lord your God has given your brothers rest, as he promised, return to your homes back across the river. Return to your homes back across the river. But be very careful to keep the command and the law that Moses gave to you. And then he summarizes it. And he says, love the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Obey his commands. Hold fast to him and serve him. Look, if you've got to remember anything, these five things. Love him. Walk with him, obey him, hold fast to him, and serve him. That's what's really important. Love him, obey him, walk with him, walk with him, obey him. Hold fast to him, serve him. The word for hold fast to him is actually the word cleave. Could you go to that slide now, uh, Johnny? Thank you. The, the word in, in, the, in, the, in the King James Version, they use cleave. The Hebrew word is debak. And I was intrigued by that word. It means to adhere to. We live in the day of super glue, gorilla glue, duct tape. So we know adhere to. Adhere to. Stuck to. Next one, if you could, Johnny. You can, leave it, you can leave it up now a, a little bit, Johnny. We're going to walk through these. I find these fascinating uh, uses, and these are all uses of the word debak. For, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united, united to his wife, an intimacy of being together, and they will become one flesh. Deuteronomy 10, verse 20. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast, Debak. Deuteronomy 30, verse 20. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast, Debak, to him. I love this image. Remember the story of Ruth? I always have to be careful how much time I'm taking on these. Um, at this they wept again. Remember Ruth, Orpah, Orpah and Ruth with Naomi? And Naomi has gone to Moab. She's gone across and, and she's gone to, to Moab and, to escape the famine. And, and then things don't go well. And she's, she's headed back and she's got these two daughter-in-laws. And they get to that place where it was either carry on with her or go home. And she says, no, you girls, you need to go home. You need to go home. It's best for you there. And Orpah went, yeah, that makes sense, and goes home. And Naomi, or, uh, Ruth says, Ruth says, no. No. And she clung to her. And I just have this image of, of Ruth grabbing Naomi and saying, no, no, let your family be my family. Your you know, that, that whole beautiful statement. She throws that out to her. That's debak. Hold fast to her. Next slide, if you would, Johnny. Thank you. You are really good at this, by the way. Johnny sits back there, all the pressure's on him, right? Yeah. 
Great work. And, and, and so, I like this one. Samuel 20, 20, 20, verse 2. So all the men of Israel deserted David to follow Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stayed by their king, Debak. Right? Uh, this one, it's a little graphic, but this one, 2 Samuel 23, verse 10. But he, Eliezer, one of David's mighty men, he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze, froze to the sword. You know what that's, have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that frozen? So, so I, I remember this time that I, I drove truck for a while. It was a pre-Calvin pre College. I, I drove truck. And, and I, I, I lived in Bowmanville or, or Oshawa area. And, and I had to drive to Kingston. It's the middle of the winter. And on my way to Kingston, it starts to snow. I go to a, a factory in Kingston, the Alcan factory in Kingston. And, and, I, and I pick up the load of stuff that I'm going to pick up. And by the time I get done, I'm pushing snow with my bumper to get out of the parking lot. And I got onto the 401. And that two-hour journey turns into a five-hour journey. And it's truck upon truck upon truck upon truck. I don't know if you've driven in that stuff. You can't see anything. The snow is blowing. You don't know when, you know, you're hoping the truck in front of you is on the road. Because <laughs> if he's driving in the ditch, I'm driving in the ditch. And I gripped the steering wheel, the buck. When I got... When I got to my destination, I literally had to peel my fingers off the steering wheel. Hold fast. Hold fast. By the way, the perfect analogy of holding fast, can you stand up with the baby? I just heard her. Hold fast. Right? You, you know what that means. She starts to squirm around. It, it tightens a little bit. But if you hold too tight, right, she's going to scream. Well done, by the way. Good dad job, you know. It, but, but the back to hold, I, I, oh, that's perfect. That's the image that we have. And, folks, there's more, but I, I just, uh, if, if you could just, um, uh, just kill the slide just for a second. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. Um, it's, that, it's that image. And, and folks, I, 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 you know, however the image works for you, I can remember as a kid uh, sitting in the church pew and playing a game with my dad when I was bored when the pastor was going on too long. And I would, he, you know, we would play in his finger and then he, have you ever played that game with your kids, right? And you have to grab the finger. Ada, I know you've never done that with your dad, but you know, that's, there, there, there's these games that you play as you go and you just get to know uh, that. Or uh, the first attraction you have to that boy or girl and you're walking and your, your hands are just touching and then the pinkies, they, they grab just a bit. You've been through that? You young people, you should be really embarrassed right now because this old guy shouldn't know about that. And then, and then 
finally, you know, you, you grab the hand and there's a comfort in grabbing the hand. Debak. Hold on. You see, when we have those images, when those images come to us, and if you could throw the slide on to that first picture, we get those images. One more, one more, one more, one more. Oh, no. Did we lose the... Uh... Oh, yeah. There we go. I think back one more. Nope. You had the right one. Sorry. There you go. Wow. Johnny. Yes. So, um, I don't... I, I, do you remember the story of the Lord of the Rings? The Lord of the Rings is this beautiful story of, of there's a ring of power. And in the ring of power, um, there's... It's, it's, it, it can bring on evil. And the ring's got to be destroyed. And somebody's got to destroy the ring. And so there's this, this gathering of this group. And there's a big, strong soldier, and there's a, a dwarf who bears a heavy axe, and, you know, there's Legolas who's, who's got the arrow and the, and the bow, and he's the great fighter. Surely one of them is going to, to, to be the ring bearer to destroy the ring. And becomes this lowly hobbit by the name of Frodo. And Frodo and his friend Sam set out with a larger group. Everybody gets separated, but ultimately it just becomes Frodo and Sam on this journey. And Sam, or Frodo is the designated ring bearer. And as he moves, and as they get closer to Mount Mordor, I love that Mordor, where the, where the ring is going to be destroyed, the journey takes its toll, and the ring becomes heavier. And the closer they get to the end of the journey, the heavier that ring gets. And literally, as you watch the movie, you don't get this from reading the book, but when you see the movie, which is beautifully portrayed, Frodo, with the ring around on a, on a chain around his neck, begins to walk, and it's more stooped over as he goes. And you sometimes see the ring coming out, but it's, it's this weight of the ring as they get closer to Mordor. And finally, and this scene is on the edge of Mount Mordor, they get there, and Frodo, Frodo, he falls, and he can't go on anymore. And his friend Sam, who is with him and who has not abandoned him through all the all the trials and temptations of this journey, he has stayed with him. He reaches, and you can see him reaching behind him, and he's saying, Frodo, just take my hand. Take my hand, and I'll, 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 I'll get you there. And in fact, next slide, when, when he can't even walk anymore, he, he grabs him and he carries him. And he says, I'll get you there. In fact, there's a beautiful scene, and I, I don't have that picture, but when, the, when it's finally, there's a, there's a horrible fight, and he's got his ring on the finger, and, 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 and the, the nemesis in all of this is this ugly little creature called Gollum, and he actually bites off Frodo's finger and falls into the pit, and the ring burns up and disappears, and Frodo falls over the edge, and he's about to drop into the fire, and he would die when he dropped into the fire. 
Sam reaches over and he says, and these words in the film come out so unmistakably. He says, grab my hand. Take my hand and don't you let go, he says. Don't you let go. It's a beautiful movie image of what Scripture tells us about the Bach. If you can go to the next picture, uh, Johnny. We have a similar image of Jesus, of Jesus in Scripture. The story of reaching out to the beggar and saying, take my hand, and then he lifts him up so he can walk again. Or, or reaching out to the children and grabbing them like the image we just had of this young man here with his baby who has just now disappeared. Um, and, and then the image of Christ reaching out to Peter. That beautiful image of Peter saying, getting out of the boat and saying, I want to walk to you, and then sinking below the leaves, the, the leaves, the waves, and Jesus reaching down to him and grabbing him and saying, come, walk with me. It's that beautiful kind of imagery that we get in scriptures. Is there one more picture? And then we get the image of Jesus Christ on the cross. We get the image of Jesus Christ on the cross and his hands reaching out. Folks, again, today, I don't know the journey each of you have been on individually, but I know that corporately, and for many of us personally, this last two and a half years have been Frodo-like. <laughs> Somehow that burden, as we have walked that journey, <clears throat> has just seemed heavier every step of the way. The beauty is that as the sun broke through today is that there's also light at the end of that tunnel finally for us. And as we look forward, we're looking forward amazingly, saying God has walked that journey with us. He has carried that journey he has held our hands as we have moved forward. But now, and for, for, I, for many of you in here, I, I don't know how, how Labor Day weekend feels, but, but for me, I was in education for 40 years. I'll tell you, New Year's was not January 1st. New Year's was the day after Labor Day. <clears throat> That was when the new year began. And for many of you, that's what it's like. Kids back to school, you know. Um, it's, it seems like summer's over. Uh, grandkids, you know, who you could visit regularly, they're now off and they're busy. This is, this is new territory. And as we begin that new year, I ask you to make that pledge and that commitment to hold fast to God. Debak. Cling to him. If your journey has been difficult, acknowledge that our God is offering to reach his hand out to you. That image on the picture. And he's saying, hold on to me. But I'm going to share something with you. He doesn't even wait for you and me to ask. 
He's already grabbed onto your hand, and he's walking that journey with you. As we move forward into the rest of this journey, I ask you each and every day to rise as you arise in the morning and say, God, today I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to walk with you. And that journey is just going to be that much better and easier with you. And when it's dark and when it's tough, I'm just going to grip on a bit tighter to you. As people of faith, let's acknowledge that our God says, I will hold fast to you. In his grace and his mercy, he comes to us. And he says, take my hand. And let our response be, take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on. Lead me on in this journey. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we come to you, we come to you acknowledging that as humans we are weak, that we need you. We've acknowledged that through our words of confession, these words this, this, this day. And Lord, with great thanksgiving, we acknowledge that you are our God who will extend your hand and you will carry us through this journey. Lord, through the outstretched hands of Jesus Christ on the cross, giving us the forgiveness that we have, to the image of Christ reaching to Peter, to hold him, pull him up out of the dark waters, to the embracing of children. Lord, your hand is around us. We give you thanks for the promise of the buck to cleave to you. And Lord, as we go from here, may we go assured in your promise that you will reach out and take our hand. And Lord, may we in turn take your hand, precious Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.